The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. DIFP is a video production company located in Birmingham, Alabama that strives to provide high-quality video services for your business or event at very competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, weddings, and business videography, but also provide recording and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0868 or visit them at difpbham.com. That's difpbham.com to see how they can help you. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beat. Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. I'm Tyler Brown, and this is episode number 25 of the series. My guest this week is Assistant Athletic Director for Compliance, Misty Castle Ray. I'll be talking with her in just a few moments about how COVID-19 is affecting recruiting, practices, and report dates for student-athletes. But first, we have some important items and a few housekeeping notes that we need to get to. As you may have noticed, this week's episode is debuting a day late, Wednesday, June 3rd. I pushed the release day back in order to properly recognize Blackout Tuesday. All athletic department social media accounts made just one post on Tuesday, and JSU Interim President Dr. Don Killingsworth issued a statement echoed by Athletics. The statement read, In honor of Blackout Tuesday, the Jacksonville State University community is humbly listening to the voices of the marginalized. The university stands in support of our black faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends. The administration is committed not only to making the JSU campus more inclusive, but also to ensuring that we fulfill our role as a university in broadening understanding and appreciation across the university community. Acting President Dr. Don Killingsworth will soon begin hosting listening sessions to hear how the university can better support the diverse JSU family. More information will be provided soon on how you can get involved, followed by the hashtag Blackout Tuesday. Thank you for all your likes, shares, and positive remarks as we take a stand against racial injustice and inequality. If you missed last week's installment, head golf coach James Hobbs joined me to talk about his two squads, how the coronavirus shutdown affected them, and we even talk a little basketball. As you know, Coach Hobbs was a former assistant that helped lead the 1985 team to the Division II National Championship. If you want to go give it a listen, all previous episodes of the podcast can be streamed at jsugamecocksports.com slash podcasts on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Also online right now, at Home with the Gamecocks, presented by Ford, visited with volleyball student-athlete Bethany Randall, football assistant coach Tyler Allen, and soccer player Lindsey Albani last week. Hosted by the voice of the Gamecocks, Mike Paris, At Home with the Gamecocks is available now at jsugamecocksports.com. And lastly, junior defensive end DJ Coleman was named a Hero Sports 2020 FCS preseason All-American last week. He was one of JSU's top pass rushers last season, tallying five sacks for a total of 31 yards. Congrats to DJ on the first of many awards to come for him. 
And now for today's featured guest, I am talking with Jacksonville State Assistant Athletic Director for Compliance, Misty Castle-Ray. Misty has worked in athletics for 20 years, getting her start as a student worker in the JSU ticket office in 2000. She graduated in 2004 with a degree in communications before receiving her master's in public administration in 2007. She's worked in the JSU compliance office since 2004 and was named the department's director in 2008. A busy job anyways, Misty has been especially preoccupied lately with how the COVID-19 shutdown is affecting a number of different aspects for athletics. Here to explain what changes are coming to the world of athletics, recruiting, and summer workout schedules, here is Misty Ray. Join me on the podcast this week. She's been asking when her time was going to finally come, and it, it comes this week as a lot of things are happening in compliance. I'm talking with Misty Castle Ray, Assistant Athletic Director for Compliance. Misty, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, I noticed that I made it to the very bottom of the list of the <laughs> podcast people, but that's all right. I'm past it. Well, we're at a point now to where uh, compliance, a lot like sports information, and not to down either of what we do on a normal everyday basis if someone were to walk into our office it's a lot of sitting in front of the computer going over spreadsheets and not a lot of movement it's not very exciting for someone to stand and watch but with COVID-19 going on right now there's a lot of stuff that has to do with compliance a lot of questions out there a lot of stuff in the news and I thought this was a fantastic time to sit down with you and uh, honestly, kind of take us to school and teach us a few things about what's going on, these dead periods, what coaches can, can't do, what athletes can and can't do right now. And so I think this is just kind of a prime opportunity for you to kind of give us an explanation of what all is out there. And it's a lot of confusing uh, paperwork, too, I'm sure. Well, you know, compliance is always changing. And that's the thing that keeps you on your toes because there's constantly, every year, there's a legislative cycle. So you're going to get new rules, rule changes. Uh, sometimes they eliminate rules. But here lately, I mean, it's changing on a daily basis. I, th I think this week I've had multiple conversations with, with coaches and and they want to know this or that. I said, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. It depends on what the NCAA does. So these days it changes every couple of days, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, uh, especially there was a time period that really was changing. Now I think everybody's settled in and um, some decisions have been made. And I think we've got on the verge of some decisions that are, are getting closer. But there's, I've been saying a lot more I don't knows than I knows, you know, recently. I guess leading off kind of the biggest question right now, something that came out just this week is that the NCAA has extended their dead period. So what does that mean for coaches? What can coaches do and can't do right now? What about student athletes? You know, we've, we kind of touched on voluntary and required workouts, some stuff like that. But to lead off, what does extending the dead period mean? Well, and some people may or may not know this, but Every sport, for the most part, has a recruiting calendar. So there's contact periods, evaluation periods, quiet period, and then a dead period. And for the most part, there's very few days that are a dead period. Um, so this dead period is a pretty big deal for a coach. So during a dead period, a coach can't recruit on or off campus. So that means a student can't come here for an official or unofficial visit. That means that a coach can't go off and off campus and contact anybody. Uh, they they can't do anything like that. So they can't hold a camp on our campus or off our campus. So they're they're heavily restricted on what they can and can't do right now. 
about the only thing that they can do during a dead period is make telephone calls, you know, text message them if it's permissible and if they're a permissible age. So, so really, that's all they can do during a dead period. So it's pretty significant. You know, the NCAA originally, I think, put it through May 31st. No, originally, I think it was April 15th. Then they extended it to May 31st, then June 30th, and now July 31st. So for some coaches who who may have thought about having camps in July, well, that's been eliminated. And any who, you know, thought about maybe they were going to get on the road if there were tournaments or anything like that taking place, you know, that's been eliminated. So it's kind of made it easier, I think, but it's also put a lot of restrictions on coaches who I think were hopeful. You know, they've been they've been sitting ducks too. I mean, besides what they can do electronically on the phone and that kind of thing. And so when you talk about not being able to have camps and some things like that, and this extends all the way up to July 31st, that's where you have it run in with voluntary and required workouts. And so right now, I believe it was June 1st is when the NCAA said that you can begin voluntary workouts to where kids can come back and they can get either in the gym, on the field, whatever it is, and do things on their own. They just can't have a coach there. And then theoretically, if this dead period does actually come to a close July 31st, that's when coaches can actually get out there and begin instruction. No. So like the dead period is associated with recruiting. This other stuff, this voluntary and and all this other access to current student athletes, that affects, that really doesn't have anything to do with the dead period. So kind of to give you what normally life would be like this summer. So you have in the sports of football and men's and women's basketball, coaches have eight weeks of what I call, we call summer access. So they have eight hours per week uh, where they can require their student athletes to to be here, to work out. They have so much time they can, you know, do some skill instruction stuff, and there's so much time they can do um, lifting, strength and conditioning stuff. So that is required. Those are eight weeks, and that is typically tied with summer enrollment in summer school. So the kids are here. They're going to school. They have that those eight hours a week they have that can be required of them. That's only in men's and women's basketball and then football. Those are the only sports that that is permissible in. So typically our other student athletes here, here in different sports, they would do these voluntary athletic activities. So basically they could go in the weight room, they could play, uh, maybe they pl- they're playing volleyball, maybe they're playing pickup basketball, uh, you know, whatever they're doing um, that would be voluntary on their own. You know, in the weight room, our strength and conditioning coaches can, um, they can conduct those workouts and they can can also observe those workouts, but coaches couldn't be in there, so it wouldn't be permissible for them. So what the NCAA has said right now in all sports starting June 1st, they can do, student athletes can do those voluntary workouts. So no coaches can be present, but they can go in the weight room. They can also do, like you said, the the pickup basketball or, you know, go out to the soccer field and and organize basically their own things that they would want to do as it you know, pertains to our athletic um, activities. So June 1st, right now the NCAA has not made a decision on when they're going to grant that summer access for football, men's and women's basketball. So we feel like that's coming hopefully sooner rather than later for institutions to kind of plan that and get those kids back if that becomes a reality that they can't have those eight hours of required activities. So it's kind of a Summer's always complicated anyway because football and men's and women's basketball have things they can require. Other sports cannot have 
um, any required activities, but, you know, kids can go in there on their own. Um, so that is kind of in limbo. I do feel like they're going to give that summer access to those sports, but we just don't know when, when that's going to happen. So the NCAA dead period, a separate issue from the return of voluntary and required activities under the NCAA dead period. You talked about coaches communicating electronically, texts, phone calls, things like that. And one of the things that you had mentioned was that there are some recruiting rule changes and we don't have to get too far in depth into it because I know it's, it's a lot and there's probably a lot of things that are kind of some gray areas that, you know, you can't say yes or no on. It's one of those things you kind of have to check with the NCAA on. It's almost a case to case basis of what you can and can't do, but give me some examples of some of those rule changes to recruiting that have been made that are different this year than in the past. So what the NCAA has done, since there are so many restrictions, they have loosened the recruiting rules of what things that coaches, what, what they can do. So for example, um, normally you couldn't have multiple uncommitted prospective student athletes on one phone call. Uh, so right now, any number of prospective student athletes who are permitted is a permissible time to call them. They can be on a phone call. So you may have four kids who are on a phone call with one coach, if that makes sense. So normally it would just be permitted for one to be on that phone call. Now you could have four, maybe on a Zoom call, maybe on a, you know, Teams or anything. Who had ever even heard of Zoom until now? And now it's like in Webster's Dictionary that we all exactly know what it is. So it's things like that. Also, normally it wouldn't be permissible um, for any certain institutional staff members to contact recruits. Now, um, if the call is initiated by a countable coach, there's some flexibility on who can be on that call. Uh, in regards to an institutional staff member. So those are just kind of two examples of some things that usually are very structured and they've allowed some flexibility for coaches. And a lot of it just makes sense. There's so little they can do right now. So some things just make sense on who can participate in these things. And it also goes back to, so a kid can't come on our campus right now and they can't, well, you know, they might could come to our campus, but they can't have any interaction with any of our coaches while they're here. So why not allow the coaches to give a little bit better, uh, hey, they normally might meet you or me when they're coming to campus. Well, they can't meet us because they're not here, but maybe they could, we could jump on a phone call and, and say, hey, this is what I do. And this is a little bit about Jacksonville State Athletics, kind of stuff like that. And you mentioned camps uh, while we were talking about the dead period, and that would include, obviously, if you can have a high school camp or something like that that's ran by a team that's not allowed right now, that's part of the dead period as well. Right, right. So, you know, this is a time that the coaches, usually our college campus is filled with activity of these camps, whether it be um, individual camps or team camps. And, and with with a dead period, none of that can take place. So it's, uh, I think coaches are finding themselves at a loss. You know, they don't know their life is recruiting and camps and playing. And, and now that's all kind of been shut down. So it's definitely a different, a different time. Whenever the NCAA put things on hold, beginning obviously with conferences and then the NCAA, and then eventually all spring sports were canceled. There for a little bit, there was a question of, will these spring sport athletes get 
some type of waiver to come back the next year. And eventually that's what did happen. They went back, looked at it and figured it out. And once they had everything in place, announced that there was going to be a waiver for spring sport athletes that could come back an extra year. And with that COVID-19 waiver for those kids coming back, I think the biggest question that comes following that is say you've got a 35 man baseball roster and you've got these incoming freshmen, the signees, player decide, well, I'm going to come back for my a fifth year or sixth year, however many it may be that they've played. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at a roster of 50, you know, or something like that. How does this COVID-19 waiver deal with roster numbers, scholarships, things like that? How will those teams be affected, baseball, softball, golf, beach volleyball? So, you know, I remember... I'm sure we all do that. That first week and everything kind of hit the fan. It, when when the NCAA was canceling college athletics, I mean, that was crazy. Who would ever thought March Madness would have been canceled? And, and you know, one thing I remember us sitting out uh, in the hall and talking to our softball coaches. And, and you know, obviously, I feel, I feel like that was – you couldn't now – the reality of the situation is kind of soaked in, but it was just unbelievable that all this kind of stuff was happening. But I remember telling them the NCAA will make this right. You know, I think sometimes I'm not defending them, but they get a bad rap. But I mean, I knew I never doubted that they were going to make it right for these student athletes, because one thing that they do always have in mind is student athlete welfare and the student athlete experience. So they quickly said that they were going to allow it's basically a wash. This season was a wash for spring sports. It's like you never competed. Uh, so, you know, you not only do you get that year back. So traditionally, um, a student athlete would have five years to play for in their sport. So basically what they are this year would just be a wash and they would be able to have that extra year. Well, you know, for the average person, Oh, okay, well, that's great, but that's it's a little bit more complicated to that for that for some sports. So just to kind of give you a little background, if if people don't know, so like for example, the sport of baseball, they have eleven point seven scholarships that they can give out to twenty seven guys can be on aid. So all of a sudden you have these seniors coming back and you think, well, how are we going to make this work? Because we've already signed our freshman class who will be coming back. So what the NCAA said is for your seniors, I've heard the term super senior used, and, and I think I like that, and I like how it sounds, so I'm going to start <laughs> using it. But these super seniors, their scholarship allotment that they receive will not count against that 11.7 scholarships in baseball. Or, you know, every every team has got and, and like for example you mentioned earlier the sport of baseball they have a roster limit so they have a 35 man roster limit so again the sen super seniors will not have to count against that 35 man roster limit um, most other sports don't have a roster limit when it comes to total student athletes that really want to affect them but it, every sport has a scholarship limit so the fact that these students who are returning for their senior year or their second senior year, will will not count against that sport uh, scholarship allotment. So it will help, uh, you know, help those sports manage those students who they thought were going to be gone. Of course, it doesn't fix the fact that in the coming years, you're going to continue to have students here one year longer than you thought, but at least gives coaches time to manage their roster in the coming years, Um as it relates to scholarship allotment and roster management and that kind of thing. But then you have kids, you know, all of a sudden 
well, I thought I was going to start because mm-hmm. I thought this dude was going to be gone or, you know, this, well, no, he's going to be back. So it, it's got a far reaching effect that will really take, you know, four or five years to, to cycle out mm-hmm. as far as how it will affect sports and, and rosters and, and scholarships and all that kind of stuff. So coaches are going to have to get creative in how they, they utilize those scholarships. And I think so many people don't know how strict and how regimented those scholarship allotments are for our student athletes and for our sports. So it, it will be interesting to see how coaches manage that. And I, I don't know this. I have no, nothing's been mentioned, but I wonder if there will be, if possibly there'll be some more flexibility, but then you go into institutions don't have this money. We have to just give unlimited scholarship to students. So it's not just as easy as saying, hey, you can, for the next four or five years, give. So there's a lot of factors to go into it. And and hopefully, I think at the end of the day, I just hope it doesn't affect our student athletes. And I don't think it will. I think schools will try to do, by, do right by them no matter what. I know at JSU we will. So we're excited about it. It's going to be kind of cool. You know, like Lane Dyer, she's our on our women's golf team. Her sister has signed here. And they'll get to play together. Well, they never would have given that, gotten that opportunity. So you have to find that silver lining in, in these type situations. Another silver lining is for the incoming freshmen. You mentioned it before we got started. There's going to be a waiver for the initial eligibility uh, of freshmen. That's It's going to be called a COVID-19 waiver for that. Uh, that's something that I don't think a lot of people know about. It's certainly something I don't know a lot about. Can you explain really what that initial eligibility waiver is and what it does and what it's been like in the past sure so um, you know all student athletes have to go through the ncaa eligibility center formerly known as the clearinghouse so you know you're old school if you call it clearinghouse you know you can tell how long a coach has been around if they still call it the clearinghouse but so traditionally a student would have to have 16 core courses and those will be broken down in so many English, math, science, you know, things like that. And then you would have your test score. So you being a qualifier, which means you can be on aid, you can practice and compete your first year here is based on that sliding scale of your core course GPA and your test scores and having your 16 core, you know, it's pretty stringent. So what the NCAA did for this year, there's COVID-19 waivers. Now, when we look on the NCAA eligibility center, there's lots of COVID-19 waivers listed on our list of student athletes that are coming in. So one thing that was affected by COVID was testing dates. So these students who'd scheduled to take the ACT or SAT, well, all of a sudden those were canceled. And so NCAA said, hey, we'll, we'll weigh that. So there, if you meet a certain criteria, so for Division One, you would have to have the required 10 core course units prior to your senior year. So, and, and there's a certain amount of math, English, science that you had to have kind of locked in before your senior year. So if you have those 10 core in place and you have a 2.3 GPA or higher, um, you get that COVID-19 waiver. So therefore, you get that. And you don't have to have a test score. They're not looking at the sliding scale. So that will really benefit student athletes um, as it pertains to our, you know, incoming perspective student athletes. Because you might have a kid, hey, I was scheduled, I've made, you know, a 20 on my ACT, but I really want to get it up to I've got to get it up to a 22 or something like that to be a qualifier. And all of a sudden, the opportunity to take that test was taken away from them. So this will really help students because that test score, you're not going to be penalized because you couldn't take the test. Because I think 
you know, traditionally you would have, um, I could be wrong on these, but like an April testing date for ACT and then a June testing date for ACT, which both, you know, were canceled or have been canceled. So it, it will make things, I know right now, um, you know, normally, so they went ahead and applied those waivers on students' accounts. So we have lots of kids that are ready to go, and normally it would be, you know, June, July before we got those decisions on them. So, again, all for the for the benefit of the student. For you personally, in your every day, since all of this started, since all of these waivers have begun to kind of pile up, you know, that you've, you've got – seems like new waiver every day that something gets approved. How has your job changed since COVID-19 hit and how has it affected what you do in the office? Um, good question. You know, it's kind of been, it's kind of weird because you have, on one hand, you have your normal thing. So like you said, when you started, really we have kind of a nerdy job you know we I sit in front of a computer do reports and things like that so I have all these reports and normal things that I would do this time of year so those have to be done during all this uh, they suspended us the signing period but then they picked that up so you know came in did scholarship papers just like you normally would um, but then also there's things that you know you don't have, you're not having to worry about you know I'm not signing off on recruiting travel because nobody's recruiting um, and the, I guess the biggest thing that's changed is just keeping up with these constant changes so we have a compliance call with the OVC of compliance administrators every week to keep up with them and we have great staff great compliance staff at the OVC so they're very helpful she'll she'll send I've gotten more emails from her and then I send them to our coaches and I know they're so tired of getting emails but I want them to be updated and it is constantly changing so she's begun color coding the new stuff in red you know so I think that's the biggest change is the fact that things are so fluid right now and it's settled down it really has settled down but you don't really know like I said earlier there's just more questions than answers but in a lot of ways my job is st I've still got to get certain things done you know still got to get this deadline done and the NCAA has, has granted a lot of some extensions and things like that but so it is a little bit different you know <laughs> there's no games to go to and it kind of makes you mm -hmm. sad you know my, I've, I've worked in athletics as a student and then as a full-time employee for 20 years, which is crazy to think about. But my life has been, it's summertime when baseball season's over mm -hmm. and there's no baseball season to be over. And I'm sure you experience the same thing as working in athletics. Sure. So our, our calendar year and our thought processes are scheduled around the seasons and, and things like that. So it has definitely been a change in my job, but it, it's been, you know, it's been good in the sense that I really felt like, I've been able to help coaches when they have questions and uncertainties and, and it's kind of like, Hey, we'll get through this. We're going to figure it out together because I'm figuring out just like you're figuring it out. So we've kind of been in June and July mode as far as updating record books, updating bios and rosters and things like that. So I feel like, I feel like right now should be middle of June to start of July with the work that we're doing and preparing for the next season. And so that may help us out and make our jobs a little easier when July does roll around, that we, we kind of got ahead on some things. And uh, something that's made your job a little bit easier, I can imagine, is a couple of weeks ago we got good news uh, when the grades rolled in that uh, we broke a couple of GPA records. Uh, spring GPA for athletics overall 3.47. 
And then for the 2019-2020 term, a 3.31 GPA for athletics. And so how easy has that made your job on the compliance side to have those good grades roll in? And talk about how much it means for the GPAs to be that high and for that record to be broken. I think it's awesome. And I think it's a a testament to our student athletes and who they are and our academic advisors and all the hard work they put in. you know, that was a challenge, too, because throughout the semester, the end of the semester, it's like keeping up with the students. And and normally they're here. Normally we have an academic center where they're able to go and receive tutoring and help. And you can kind of keep your thumb on them. And that's not my job, thank goodness. Um, but you can make sure they're getting the academic support that they need. And so many of our kids dispersed when this all took place. And so it, I think it's awesome that that, that GPA we were able to achieve that under these circumstances because what happened with these classes, they all switched to online. Well, some, some people are just not suited for online work. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't love taking an online class and it was, there was no choice. So you go from maybe having one online class to four online classes. So I think it's awesome that they were able to, to really to get all this stuff done and do it so successfully. Uh, you know, the university made some provisions and offered a pass-fail option, which obviously helped. It helped everybody. But, you know, everybody didn't take that. They didn't. And so it's they, they were able to to get some things done and, and really focus. One thing that all of our student-athletes had was time. So they weren't playing. They weren't traveling. They weren't doing that. So they were really able to devote a lot of time to academics, which showed um, – but that they we have a great history in the classroom, and I think so many times the negative you think, oh, student athletes are just slackers. They don't, yeah, but man, they're the best time managers out there because they have such bu- under normal circumstances they have such busy uh, schedule. So they really have to balance a lot of different things, and so I think it's awesome that they they persevered and got it done and were able to make us proud. And then you, on the academic side, you like you said, you've been here for 20 years. You've worked in athletics for 20 years. You're a JSU alum. You've got a pair of degrees from Jacksonville State. And when you're not in your compliance office, you also teach a class here on campus. And so for you as a professor, how did that affect you and the students that you have in the classroom in having to switch everything to online and not be able to see them face-to-face anymore? Well, I taught this class a couple of years ago, actually like five years ago, and I took, taught it again for, and it had been a while this spring. So it was kind of sad for me because I loved being interacting with the students in the classrooms. So it was actually a hybrid class. So that one made it really easy. So hybrid half class, half online. So when, when all this, you know, took place, I was able to quickly just adapt everything and change it. But I did think the hardest thing with those students is you know, with our student athletes, if if there's a student athlete that is not responding, I just go, I say, all right, coach, you know, I need Tyler to, to answer this or I need this. I've emailed them. Well, with those students, I don't have their coaches at my, you know, I'm not accessible. They don't, they're not student athletes. So um, it was hard because you did feel disconnected to them. But but, you know, really, all of my students did great. I was I was a little worried about it because I thought it because I know the balance and, you know, some people may not have internet mm-hmm. or just those type challenges. So I, it, it ended up fine, but I was a little nervous because you just, you lose and you didn't have any warning. It was like I had class that Tuesday and then I think it was Thursday that we went online and then, you know, 
see you. Have a good semester. So besides, you know, your virtual contact email, Mm -hmm. Canvas, which is our system and all that. But even during the shutdown, you were still here at the office a lot. But you personally at home, you've got a couple of twin toddlers at home. Uh, And I know that you were home a lot when you would come in on your Zoom meetings. Your parents still live in the area. So how is everything back home? Everyone has been healthy and has been able to, I know, social distance. I know you have done a fantastic job of that as well. Well, um, we did not social distance from Nanny and Papa here, my parents. <laughs> so I don't think that they would have wanted that or my kids would have wanted that. And of course, I wouldn't have wanted it either. But, you know, it was it was nice. I'll be honest, because because I live so close to the office, I could come in the office, uh, you know, in my stretchy pants and <laughs> uh, and do the work that I needed to do when I needed to do it. And then also work from home when I needed to work home from home. You know, I laugh because one Sunday, so I do have four year old twins and my little girl, she said, uh, I've got a work call tomorrow. And it, she had heard because my husband is working from home as well. So and so she had heard him say, she's heard both of us say, you know, we have work calls or be quiet. Dad's on the call or my mom's on call. So it's been interesting. And then, you know, we back came back to the office full time last week. So my husband's still working from home. So daddy daycare has commenced. Um, and you know, they're, they're rocking it and, and loving it. But it, it, it was, um, it, it was a challenge, but man, I feel so blessed. I have had a job, you know, and a job that I could work from home, that I had the ability to do that. And then also uh, that everybody's been healthy and just pray that it continue to stay that way. So, it, but it, it has been nice being back in the office because you do feel a little bit normal. You know, you feel, you feel like, okay, you know, the world is semi, mm-hmm. you know, normal because I'm coming to the office and, and seeing people and interacting with people. So, and not just via Zoom. No, we've been talking for a while, Mr. Mom's at home waiting for you, and so I'll, I'll let you go. But Misty, thanks so much for coming on and uh, you know giving us this information. I know it's it's been something that you know when you when you read articles online, you hear people talking. There's information out there that you know might be inaccurate, or people just don't know what the rules are. And so I think this has been a great chance to kind of explain that. I hope that a lot of people got some great information out of this. Well, hopefully they listened. So I know I'll make all my family listen. (laughs) But, um, you know, I just really miss college athletics. I love it. And I was never an athlete. Oh, never an athlete. And so I have no ability, but I do love athletics. And I love to see, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way. The biggest reward of our job is to see kids do what they love Mm -hmm. and what they're so good at doing. So I've, I've seen them to see them lose that for a little while even though in the grand scheme of things it's just sports i totally get that but it's more than that and so i'm ready to i've thought about it several times this is the longest time i've gone without um going to an athletic event and so i'm ready i'm ready for a, a jsu football game or soccer game or volleyball game and however that'll look i just hope that it takes place um you know soon That'll do it for this week's edition of Behind the Beak. I hope that you and yours are healthy, and I will talk to you again next week. I'll be back Tuesday with a brand new episode and another guest. With that, I'm Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening, and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. 
For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, JSUGamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSUGamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 